John 1.14 says, The Word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. We have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Our prayer is that you might see God's love and faithfulness as you listen to our Sunday morning message here at First Methodist Bryan. Father, thank you for your word. It is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Scripture alone. I pray today that your Holy Spirit would work through me to proclaim this truth. To speak to the hearts of the people here, your sheep. I pray that each and every one would listen for the Holy Spirit to speak to their heart today. To give them what they need for their journey. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Let the church say amen. In this epistle to Rome, the Apostle Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek, that would be us, the Gentiles. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, and this is a quote from the prophet Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 4, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness because what may be known of God is manifest in them for God has shown it to them. In other words, people are without excuse because God has already revealed himself through general, general revelation. And here Paul continues with this thought, verse 20. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they, they knew God, they did not glorify God as God, nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts and in their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and change the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man. In other words, an idol, and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, and whenever you get to a therefore in Scripture, you should stop and ask, what's it there for? Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen and amen. Church, say amen. So this week is one of those exciting weeks in my neighborhood. Uh, police will be there. Y'all probably don't know that about my block. Every year um, we hire the police to come and put a roadblock up on our street because it's a cul-de-sac and we have so many people that drive down and drop their kids off. Karen has, has gathered about 1,000 to 1,200 pieces of candy for all these little kids that will be dressed up and, and 
at my age, I don't even know what they are, some of them, okay? But they're dressed up, and they have a mission, and I admire their mission. And, and some of them bring their babies who they're holding in their arms, dressed up like a pumpkin. Some of the teenagers are big enough to be on the high school football team, and they have a mission. They want candy. Amen. I love chocolate. I, I, have, I have to tell you uh, the story. My brother who passed away a couple years ago was a high school quarterback, and he would go on this Halloween night, and he would take a paper sack, and he would fill it up, and he would, when he got home and he was kind enough, he would give me the pieces that he didn't want. This one particular time, though, he was on his way home, and he passed a 7-Eleven in Mesquite, and for some reason, he forgot that there was this huge gully, and he tripped and fell down, and all of his candy went into the water and into the gutter. He was so mad. That's the last year he ever went trick-or-treating. But my brother had a mission. My brother was really good about accomplishing his mission. He used to, my brother as an adult became the number one salesman for a company in America and was honored. He had a mission and he knew what it was. Church, we have a mission. We should know what that mission is, amen? Our mission is to love, witness, and serve. Our mission is to spread the gospel. That's our mission. So while people are gonna be spending time this week on their mission to get candy and worried about things that go bump in the night. There's another day that we forget is this week, and we can't forget it because it's about our mission. It's, it's October 31, 1517. It's the day that the Reformation began. And sadly, a lot of people don't even know what is the Reformation. But I want to develop this message today to answer three questions about the Reformation. What was it then? Do we still need it now? Will we still need it always? Reformation, then, now, and always. Let me start with this. Do y'all realize that you're a Protestant? Generally speaking, I'm going to take a step back. I'm going to talk in big categories. You're either Roman Catholic, a Protestant, an Eastern Orthodox, or various other things, including non-denominational. That's who we are in the body of Christ. I'm going to say some things that may sound a little bit harsh today about the Roman Catholic Church, and please know those are my brothers and sisters. I've got to tell you, I love them. They, they, if it weren't for them, I wouldn't be here. But I'm a Protestant, and I want to tell you how I got here today and how you came. You wouldn't be here today except for October 31, 1517, where a Roman Catholic, a German Augustinian monk by the name of Martin Luther got fed up with his church. And on that day, he went to the church door in Wittenberg, Germany, and he nailed it. He nailed a list of 95 theses or complaints about his own church. That began the Reformation. In 2001, I was privileged to go to Germany and 
I walked the steps all the way up to the castle, to the church door at Wittenberg. I stood right there at that door where he nailed 95 complaints. And because of what he did, the Protestant movement began. A movement of people to protest the false teaching of the Roman Catholic Church. I'm going to explain what that was right now. Well, let me, let me take a step back. You're also here today because of a Protestant by the name of John Wesley. And I don't think John Wesley would have been who he was except he came to America to be a missionary to the Indians in Georgia and he failed miserably and he went back and he, he was really struggling. He was struggling. He was already ordained, but he was not even sure about his own salvation. So on May 24, 1738, he went to a, a meeting on the street called Aldersgate Street and he sat there despondent, depressed, and he heard somebody read the preface to the book of Romans written by Martin Luther and that preface said that salvation is by grace alone through faith alone through Christ alone and John Wesley wrote in his journal that night that I felt my heart strangely warmed I felt that I did trust in Christ in Christ alone for salvation I'm quoting here and assurance was given me that I even I am a child of God do you have that assurance here was Wesley. He grew up in a Christian home. His dad was a pastor. He, he went to Oxford University, a brilliant student, became ordained. And here he is as an adult, and he wasn't even sure about his own salvation. Are you sure? Do you have that confidence that you are a child of God? just hearing the preface to the book of Romans written by Martin Luther changed because the Holy Spirit took that in Wesley's heart so let's go to that moment that moment of October 31, 1517 that, that moment that went viral Luther went to the church door. The church door in those days was like the community bulletin board. It's like a Facebook page. And if you wanted to communicate anything, you communicated it on the church door. And so here's what was happening in 1517 across Europe. The Roman Catholic Church was engaged in one of the greatest fundraisers of all of history. Their stewardship campaign was not titled a great name like ours. Put a smile on your face. God loves a cheerful giver. That was not their title. Instead, if I could give their campaign a title, it would be this. Give us your money or go to hell. Let me explain. If a person made a financial gift to help with the building of St. Peter's Basilica in Rome, then the church gave them a certificate suitable for framing, that guaranteed that they were recognized for their gift and guaranteed that they or a family member they loved would not have to purge their sins in purgatory or at least not have to be there very long. Purgatory in the Roman Catholic theology is that place you go in between heaven and hell where you have to pay for your sins. You have to have them purged. That is not a biblical doctrine. One of the Methodist doctrines that we have in the Global Methodist Church and in every Methodist Church is that purgatory is a false teaching. 
Martin Luther stood up against that teaching, but he especially stood up against this. He stood up against the fact that you, if you paid enough money, could have the church declare that you're forgiven of your sins and you don't have to go to purgatory. The word for that was called indulgences. It was called that so that if you received it, then you could go and indulge yourself in some sins, and you don't have to worry anymore. You're not going to purgatory. You paid. And so because you made the payment, you don't have to go. Here's the truth. That's a false teaching. Christ made the payment. You ain't got the money to make the payment because the payment has to be one perfect sufficient offering for your sins and only Jesus Christ was qualified to make that payment so when the Roman Catholic Church began to add to the atonement of Christ in order to make money Martin Luther said I've had enough and he nailed it I don't know if that's where we get the expression nailed it but I like that Martin said, we are forgiven of sin and declared righteous by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And that's it. The Pope or me or anyone else cannot give you salvation. Martin Luther was arrested by the German state because in those days the state and the church were together by the way in germany one of the things i learned when i visited there to preach and to sing was that even to this day if you declare yourself a christian in germany then the state is going to tax you take your money give it to support the church how would that make you feel if the governor of the state of texas would take your money or the president of the u.s take your money and then support our church See how important it was that when America was founded, we had separation of church and state? I tell you, I don't think America would have been founded except for Martin Luther and John Wesley. And for this moment of the Reformation, it's that big a deal. It's that big a deal, this one moment in history. When Martin Luther was arrested, put on trial they declared him a heretic they'd put a, a bounty on his head to kill him the church did and it is it is written that he stood up and he said these words here i stand i can do no other he was bound by his commitment to jesus christ and he was willing to lay down his life he almost did I also, when I was in Germany, got to go to this very small, dark room where he spent a lot of time in hiding and translated the Bible from the Latin called the Vulgate into the German. And I have a German Bible. I don't read German, but I have it. Picked it up at a used bookstore because I wanted it as the souvenir for my trip because I know if it weren't for Martin Luther, that wouldn't have happened. So, now that I've given you a little bit of history, let me take you to Scripture, because y'all know that's where I want to go every time I preach. Five solas form the Protestant foundation of our faith. 
5. If somebody asks you, what's it mean to be a Protestant? If you had these memorized, you'd be able to tell them, well, I'm a Protestant. This is what I believe. I'm not Roman Catholic. I'm not Eastern Orthodox. I'm not non-denominational. I know what I believe. I'm a Protestant. Here are the five things. Sola Scriptura, Scripture alone. Solus Christos, Christ alone. Sola Fide, faith alone. Sola Gratia, grace alone. Sola Dea Gloria, glory to God alone. Scripture alone, Christ alone, faith alone, grace alone, glory to God alone. That's Protestant theology in a nutshell. Those five statements lay the foundation of the evangelical faith that's at the center of what Protestant theology is all about. There are people that actually laid down their life for these beliefs. They came before us. They are truly the saints. It was that important. Let me take a few minutes to just walk you through each one of these. Scripture alone. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says, All Scripture is God-breathed. In another translation into the English, it will say inspired. But the word inspired literally is God-breathed. It's profitable for teaching and for reproof and for correction and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. Sola Scriptura. Only Scripture. Not the teaching of the church, not the traditions of the church, not what the Pope teaches, ex cathedra, not anything I say. Scripture alone. Scripture alone. So what does that mean for you? It means you better study your Scripture, amen? It means you better be a theologian. It means you better know what the Word of God says because you can't depend on what I say. You can't depend on what the Pope says. You have to study God's Word. That's bedrock. We believe Scripture alone contains everything necessary for salvation. I just quoted Article 5 of the Methodist Book of Discipline. So what it says. We believe that Scripture has all things necessary to salvation. Boom. Mic drop. That's it. Second thing. Solus Christus, Christ alone. The bedrock truth that in Christ alone and by the blood of His eternal covenant, our sins are forgiven. That's the only basis where sin can be forgiven. Sin cannot be forgiven because you pay money to the church. Sin cannot be forgiven because you add to it by your good works. Good works are done because you love the Lord and want to serve Him. That's not the way you're saved. I quote Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Now, I'm sorry, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by, what, by which we must be saved. Can it be any plainer than this verse? There is no other name by which anyone can be saved. You can't be saved through Buddha, Muhammad. Confucius, no one, not Dr. Phil, not Oprah Winfrey, nobody. You're saved 
through Christ alone. Sadly, in my lifetime, one of the things I've had to fight in the church as a pastor for 37 years is this insidious false teaching of universalism in which some people believe that everybody's going to be saved. God's a good guy. He's good all the time. We've got the banner up there. That's true. That's God's nature. God is good all the time. It's also true that God is holy all the time. And God said, I have a way of salvation for everybody. You don't get to pick it. God picked it. That way is through His Son. Anybody that comes and say there's another way, then they're denying this truth, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, because no one comes to the Father except through Him. That's what Jesus said. The church has to continue to defend this faith even in our day and age where there's so much false teaching which is one of the signs of the end times along with wars and rumors of war which we're seeing around us we have to defend the truth that salvation is through Christ alone and not anybody else sola fide Paul wrote this in Romans 1.17 I read it earlier for in the gospel the righteousness of God is revealed a righteousness that is by faith from first to last just as it is written the righteous will live by faith your new King James Bible probably says the just shall live by faith sola fide faith what is faith What is faith? John Wesley said it's the sure and confident trust. A sure and confident trust in the Lord. Do you have that kind of sure and confident trust that no one will ever be able to move you away from so that you can say what Paul wrote in Romans 5 verse 1, having been justified by faith, I have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. My friends, that's the only place you're going to find peace. This world is looking for peace. I heard the great Franklin Graham the other day with a commercial trying to ask for help for Israel. Please pray for Israel. Pray for the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Pray that God would protect them, fight for them. Franklin was saying that you may be looking for peace. You're not going to find it in the world, but you can find it in Jesus Christ. I hope you know that. I hope you have his peace. When you have faith alone, the only way you have it is by grace alone. That's the fourth solid bedrock foundation. You are saved, it says in Ephesians 2, verse 8, you are saved by grace through faith. And this is not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Even your grace and the faith that you have, your salvation is all a gift from God. Sola gratia proclaims that all of our salvation from the beginning to the end is by grace alone. So that you don't get to take any glory in it. And that leads to the last part. Sola Dea Gloria. Glory to God alone. 1 Timothy 1.17 says, Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, to God who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen.
forever and ever amen i think randy Travers stole that last section to make a really great song by the way forever and ever amen when someone says you can be saved from your sins just because you have some kind of faith something that's a false teaching it has to be specific kind of faith it has to be faith in christ alone I'll never forget the moment when I realized that in my own life. I realized that to deny Jesus is to deny God's plan of salvation. God's plan of salvation was to send his son who laid down his life for us so that he'd give his life to us, so that he could live his life through us. That's God's plan of salvation. Anyone that denies that is teaching falsely, and they, they're really insulting God who, who gave us a plan of salvation, and there is no other plan. There's a plan A, Jesus. There is no plan B. There's only one. I hope I've walked you quickly through these scriptures. It's 9.53. The band needs to get ready if they're not already behind me because I'm about to wrap it up. I wanted to say, I wanted to ask and answer three questions. The Reformation, what was it then? I hope you know what it was then. I hope you know what happened on October 31, 15, 17. That's why you're here today. The Holy Spirit began a movement to reform the church. The Holy Spirit needs to continually do that because the church is continually in need of reforming as a church and we as individuals are in need of continually reforming our own lives. Do we need the Reformation now? I say we need it now just as much as ever because we have to proclaim Jesus Christ. We have to witness to our faith. Will we need it always? That's my last question. Absolutely, till Jesus comes back. We're always going to need to proclaim these five truths, these five solas, Scripture alone, Christ alone, grace alone, faith alone, glory to God alone. That's all I've got. 37 years of ministry, I hope I've been faithful to teach those five things alone. I'm entrusted with the sheep of God's fold. I don't want to lose one. I know Jesus doesn't. But I know the life story of John Wesley and my own life, and I wonder if today you alone know, you alone know that you're a child of God. Has the Holy Spirit confirmed that in you? Can I pray with you right now to make sure? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for what's been passed on to us by the saints before us. Help us to be faithful. But I pray also, Lord, knowing that every one of us is on a journey of faith. And sometimes we wonder and have questions and we're not sure. But Father, I pray right now for anyone who needs assurance of their faith, like John Wesley did, to have his heart strangely warmed, to know for sure that his sins are forgiven, that he, even he, is a child of God, no matter his sins, no matter his failures, no matter his faults, no matter his shortcomings, 
Oh, Lord, I pray for each one here today that they would have the Holy Spirit confirm in their spirit that they're a child of God because they believe in Scripture alone, in grace alone, in faith alone, in, in Christ alone. And we give you the glory alone. Father, we give you the glory alone. I pray for the Holy Spirit to teach. Teach us, but also to confirm in each one that they are your children. Father, if there's anyone here that needs to talk more about that, help them to come talk to me and help them to talk to you in prayer. Lord, be glorified. Be glorified in this church and in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening with us. We hope that you have encountered the risen Jesus today. If you want to hear more, please consider subscribing. We would also welcome you to join us in person. For more information, please visit us at fmcbryan.org.